All right, good evening, everyone. Hopefully, everyone is having a blessed evening as we are. We just like to say praise the Lord, praise Him for another day. Thank you for another day in the land of the living, another day to get our acts right. And if you're if you've been with us for a while, welcome back. And if you're new here, welcome to Join the Midst of the Storm. Here at Join the Midst of the Storm, we like to take a deeper dive and look at one of some of the most unknown scriptures, maybe your church or you may not have ever heard of the scriptures that we're about to go to. And that's what we plan to do. We that's that's what our aim is. We like to go deeper into the Bible and bring those verses out. So again, hopefully everyone is definitely having a blessed day as we are. And as you can see from the title, we'll be talking about traditions and the law. For instance, what aspects of the law do we still have to keep? Can we eat pork? Can we eat chicken or, or catfish or fried bacon or fried foods or anything like that? And we're just going to take a look at that. So without any further ado, uh, I'll turn it over to Minister Tony Banks. Thank you, Melvin. Before we get too far in, we'll, we'll bow our heads together, if you will, um, and say a quick prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for yet another opportunity to study your word, another opportunity to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for another opportunity to just get closer to you, to grow in you, to become more Christ-like. Lord, we thank you for how you washed over us during the week. Lord, we thank you for how you just continue to guide our feet. Just how you blessed us so much, Lord, giving us so many things that we we really don't even deserve. But you're so gracious, you're so kind, you're so merciful. And Lord, we like to say a prayer for the sick, the shut-in, the afflicted. So many people going through so many trials and tribulations, homeless people, Lord. Just all types of diseases afflicting us. So many things going wrong in the world. Uh, mass shootings lord i mean we can't even uh, name all the things that are going on but lord we like to say a prayer for all of us that are going through these times lord that we will still see joy in the midst of the storm and lord we pray these many blessings in your name jesus amen amen so as melvin already mentioned we'll talk about the traditions and the law uh, one of my friends asked me about <clears throat> Uh, the law um, some questions about it and so I, I figured say well we can talk about it on the live stream today so we're gonna go to the book of Matthew the 15th chapter and we'll read verse 14 and then after that we'll go back up and start with verse 1 uh, we have a good bit of reading to do but uh, what's new All right, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 14. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. This is the situation we find ourselves in. There are so many people who are teaching, who are preaching, but have no clue of what it is that they're talking about. And so the Pharisees were the priests. They were the group of people who knew the law. And yet, no matter how much schooling they did, they still had the picture wrong. They still had the story wrong. So a lot of people today feel as if just because they went to school, just because they went to theology school or whatever school it is, they feel they know everything. 
They feel they have it all right. But that's not necessarily the case. So we have to go back to the scriptures to make sure that we have our salvation right. So well, let's go back to verse 1, though, so we can see what's actually going on here. Verse 1, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress, transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. The people who studied the law came to Jesus asking him, Why are your disciples, they going against the traditions? Because it is their tradition that they should wash their hands. They should clean themselves before they eat. And even today, we still do the same thing. And it's not to say there is anything wrong with washing your hands. People are so fast to jump to conclusions. Jesus never said there's anything wrong with washing your hands. But we hold traditions higher than the commandments of God. A lot of times we do it without even noticing. Sometimes we notice and we just don't care. But let's go ahead. Keep reading. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? <laughs> now, <laughs> so they asked Jesus a question. He turned it around on them and asked them a question. said, Why are you breaking the commandments of God to hold to your tradition? Now, we do that right here in the United States today. And we do it in every other part of the world. Because there's so many traditions that we keep that are completely against God. Even right now, uh, one of the big things, when a person turns 21, it, it is, it's the custom and the tradition. You have to go out and get as drunk as possible. I mean, that's the tradition. First legal drink. That's the tradition. But the scripture declares that no drunkards will enter, will inherit the kingdom of God. That's the scripture. But somebody said, ain't nothing wrong with getting drunk. It's your 21st birthday. You need to get drunk. God wants you to get drunk. He wouldn't have gave you this alcohol if you weren't supposed to get drunk. See, people will tell you anything. But if Jesus were here today, he would say, why are you keeping your traditions and going against the commandment that God gave you. But let's go down. Verse 4. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. Now, here... So often, people will say uh, a person's, a mother and father, they may have a child. And some things we should not be encouraging our children to do, and let alone anybody. But here he, he brings up specifically a father and a mother. So there's some things we shouldn't encourage children to do. But because our children are good at a certain thing and our children enjoy it, we say that's what they should be doing. See, for example, you have some people who are extremely good at lying. And they may come to their mother or father and say, 
that's what they, they're good at. It's a gift. But we know God said, don't lie. You shouldn't be lying to people. Same with stealing. Somebody may say, I'm good at stealing. Even, a, even a, maybe a better example. You may have somebody who is really good at computers. They may be, they may know how to hack. They say, man, this was a gift from God. See, everybody can't hack out there. Everybody doesn't know how to operate the computer so that they can steal people's identity, steal people's bank, bank account information. Everybody doesn't know how to do that. But they say, I know how to do it. This is a gift. And so other people will encourage them and say, oh, yeah, that, you need to use that because that's a gift. So many things we do are completely against God. But we fix it in our minds to say, oh, it's a gift. God wants me to be doing this. Another tradition we have, especially with uh, just at the more society progresses, is going to school. And again, I'm not saying anything is wrong with going to school. The same way Jesus said, didn't say anything was wrong with washing your hands. He didn't say anything was wrong with that. But today, we have people's parents who look, and the rest of society, but especially people's family, they may look at a person as if they are not successful if they don't go to school, if they don't graduate high school, if they don't go to college, especially if they don't go to college. But that is a tradition because... <laughs> You won't be able to find it in this Bible to tell me where Jesus was so caught up on you going to school. You won't be able to find it in here. You won't be able to find it where Jesus said you need to have a master's degree so you can make it into heaven. You need to get your doctor, your master, before you can make it into heaven. You're not going to find it. But that's our tradition. And a lot of times we hold our traditions higher than God's commandment. But Again, you're not going to find it in this Bible where he said you got to go to school. Because there are so many people God has used throughout time. They weren't educated. The scripture tells us that uh, when they seen Peter and John, they, they could tell that these people were not even educated. But, they, <laughs> but look who God chose to carry his message. So we hold so many things higher then they should be because God doesn't see things the way we see them. He doesn't make his judgment the way we make our judgment. But again, we see somebody, we say, man, that person didn't graduate school. Oh, what they do for a living. We're, we're ready to degrade somebody because of what it is that they do for a living. Oh, they just a male man. Oh, they, they don't matter that much. See, <laughs> well, Wisdom and an inheritance is def is a defense. So, which, that's in the book of Proverbs. But, we look at someone's uh, socioeconomic status. Someone's status and we determine that person's worth in our eyes. But God looks at us equal. He died for the same, the, the people that's riding on the back of the garbage truck. He died for those people just as well as the millionaires. And in fact, it's going to be those people riding on the back of a garbage truck. The, the lower people in the world, those are the people more likely to listen to God. 
because the the higher you get in the world, you get so big and you feel as if nobody can touch you, not even God. You got so much money in the bank, you not even think you don't even need God. You said, man, I'm straight. What do I need God for? I don't, I'm not worried about uh, leukemia. I can go. I can go have whatever surgery. I can go have radiation. I can do. I can do all these things because I got money. The Bible says money is an answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, based off of our traditions, we don't hold to God's commandments. So many of our traditions have gotten us in trouble. And people will look at you crazy if you don't follow the traditions, just like the Pharisees did. Even right now, even in even in high school, we have prom. And if you don't go to the prom, people say, did you go to the prom? <laughs> Tell them no. What? What? You didn't go to the prom? What, what's wrong with you? See, <laughs> but that prom ain't got nothing to do with God. It don't have a single thing to do with God. But there's so many things, again, that we look at as our traditions. And we want to go around and tell people, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. Because of our traditions. Even, especially in the United States, we look at football. Look at sports. It is our tradition to play sports. And so if you see somebody tall, they look like they halfway in shape. You say, man, you need to be playing sports. What you, you mean to tell me you're not playing no sport? What? Mm-hmm. Man, you could be making all the money. Tradition. Tradition. We're never telling people, man, you hadn't read no Bible this year? What? We don't say that. <laughs> you hadn't accepted God as your Savior? You hadn't gotten baptized? You hadn't got the whole... We don't, we don't ask these questions. You haven't been saved? We don't, we don't talk about that. But we talk about everything that's our tradition. But let's move on because there's some really good stuff that I want to get into. Uh, uh, verse 6. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Mm-hmm. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying... This people draw, draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, people don't, people don't know the real Jesus. Jesus in verse 7 said, you hypocrites. We, now Jesus is, he did nothing but promote love. But he told people the truth. He told people just how it was. Now, he didn't go about it in a disrespectful manner, but call somebody a hypocrite, they're going to feel disrespected regardless. But he called it how it was. Now, somebody today will say, oh, you just judging. He he judging. And I want you to say Jesus judged. (laughs) But you're not going to say that, though. But Jesus said, you a hypocrite. Because, now he's talking to, church folks because these are the people that are out here saying things but not doing them and then he said they're drawing nigh to him with their mouth and honoring him with their lips we do a lot of talking we do a lot of talking and verse 9 but in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men now that's us 
That is a lot of us. A lot of us are doing a lot of things for no reason. In vain. For no reason. We going to church, worshiping God, for no reason. Because we're still not keeping the commandment. Keeping what he told us to keep. We're still not living the life that he said live. See, we'll go to church, jump and shout, cartwheel, backflip. I mean, we'll do the whole nine yards. But when it comes time to loving thy neighbor as thyself, we see our neighbors have a need of something. And I'm not talking about just the people across the street. I'm talking about anybody you come into contact with. But we say, oh, I don't know that person. I don't care about them. I don't know them. But that's not love. But that's what he told us to do. He said, love them. But so we're going to church, but we still are keeping the commandments he gave us. We still aren't doing what he said do. So he said, you hypocrite, you're doing it in vain. You're wasting your time. That's the reason in Matthew, the seventh chapter, he's going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I know you're not. And they're going to say, Lord, we've done so many wonderful things in your name. We were jumping and shouting it. We went to church on the Sundays. We went to church on Wednesdays. What's wrong, Lord? But let's go because I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting all off track. Verse 10. And he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. Now he says something there. Read that again, Mel. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. The tradition of the Jews was to eat only certain foods, only certain meats. That was their tradition. Why? Because... In the law of Moses, he told them what to eat. He only told he told them to eat only certain foods, foods deemed to be clean. But now, when Jesus has come, see the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So now that Christ has showed up, we no longer need certain aspects of the law because we couldn't keep them anyways. We could not keep the law because the scripture said if you have offended one of the laws, if you have broken one of the laws, you're guilty of all of them. So if you are judged according to the law, you're going to be found guilty because you've stolen, you've lied. We've done all types of things. We we, we said, man, I, I wish evil on this person. I know we all have done it. I guarantee we all have done at least one of the uh Broken one of the commandments of the law. And most likely we probably broke all of them. But so, if we're going to be judged by the law, we're automatically going to be found guilty. Automatically. But Jesus came and fulfilled the law so that we no longer had to keep the law. But he is still calling us to be holy. But so, traditions, because the Jews were had the law since just about the beginning of time. Since they had the law, that's all they knew. It became a way of life, a part of their tradition. But now Jesus is coming to change some things. So Jesus here says, it's not what you eat that defiles you, that destroys you, that makes you unclean, unholy. It's not what you eat. It's what comes out of you. Because 
in one place, the scripture says, out of the abundance of the mouth, excuse me, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What's in your heart comes out of your mouth. What's inside of you will come out of you. That's how you feel. And people say, you don't know what's in somebody's heart. Listen to the way they talk. Listen to the way they carry themselves. Watch the way they carry themselves. You'll see what's in somebody's heart. So Jesus says, it's not what you eat that defiles you. It's what is in your heart. That's what God is concerned with, our heart. How are we treating each other? How do we live? Our heart is our heart is not right. The scripture says only the pure heart shall see God. Only the pure. We know we know today our heart's not right. But will you be a person who will accept it and say, "Lord, I know there are things I need to get right." Will you be that person today to accept man, I have to get some things straight because I've been holding a grudge against somebody. And the Bible declared, he said, don't grudge one another. This Jesus, now Jesus himself, don't, don't think Tony said it. Tony didn't say none of this stuff. Jesus himself said, if you don't forgive, our heavenly father won't forgive you. If you don't forgive somebody else. So that, that covers everything. Whether they spit on you, whether they hit you, whether they kill somebody in your family, that's everything. And I know that may seem tough, but is holding that grudge against somebody worth you losing your salvation? You going to hell over. Tell me, is it worth it? You tell me, is it worth going to hell over? All of eternity. Because God is, vengeance is the Lord's. God is going to repay back every single person who's ever done you wrong. Every single one. But now, if you get wrong and go back and get somebody else because they got wrong, now God's got to get you both. And he's going to do it, too. Because he is not going to go against his own word. He's not going to be a liar himself. In that case, God himself will be going to hell. If he don't hold himself to the scripture, he'll lie himself. But I know God ain't going to go against his word for me. He ain't going to go against his word for you either. So, he's trying to show us something here. Let's, let's keep reading now. In verse 12, Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? Yeah. <laughs> you tell people the truth, boy, they get mad. <laughs> yep. Paul said, have I, be, have I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. The truth, man, the truth hurts. People don't like the truth. That's the reason most people, the Bible says, Matthew 7, 13 through 15, most people won't be saved. Few. He said few will find life. And many are going to enter into destruction. Now, that's the scripture. That ain't Tony. It ain't Melvin. It's the scripture. So, that's why, though. Because... We will see the truth and know the truth, but we just don't want to accept it. Something within us said, no, I just... We I, don't want to do away with our way. I just, oh, I just... You mean God want me to believe that? <laughs> Ain't no way. Oh, man. <laughs> but God has something for you. 
Don't allow any of these minute things to destroy what God has for you. I mean, this life is so short. Eternity is forever. There is nothing here worth gaining. That There is nothing worth getting here than to lose eternity or to end up in hell for eternity. There's nothing worth it here. No male, no female, no house, no car, no money. Nothing is worth that. But in the moment, especially when we get angry, we just feel, man, I, I just can't forgive them. They, they hurt me too many times. But that's a huge weight off of your shoulders. A huge weight. When you can say, man, I'm going to forgive them and move on with my life. Because I know God has something in store for me. Now, that person, they may, they may not forgive me, but that's on them. Yep. That, that's something that they have to deal with. But you can move on because God has some things waiting for you. But we're not in the position to receive it because he knows we're not ready. And he's not going to give you something you're not ready for. He's not going to give you something you're not ready for. But let's keep going down, Miller. All right, verse 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Mm -hmm. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Now he's talking about the Pharisees and scribes. Now these people have went to school studying the Bible. Studying the scriptures. They went to school for it. So don't be so fast to think. Because nothing has changed. There's nothing new under the sun. Don't be so fast to think. Man, this person went to school for studying the Bible. I know they know God. Not so. See, the Bible ain't like an ordinary book. <laughs> That's why we have so many people arguing over it. The Bible's not like an ordinary book. It's not like a science book. A math book. See, there's no debate. People aren't debating. They're not having debate classes over what uh, algebra is. We're not having debate class over Spanish. Any other thing there is, we're not having debates over that. We're not having debates over how electricity is made or how paper is made. There's no debate on that. But when it comes to God, though, when it comes to the scriptures, it's a whole lot of debate, a whole lot of confusion. God's not the author of it. He has some people who are true ministers of God. And he's going to send them your way. He's going to make it possible for you to hear. But the truth, you're not going to want to hear. Just like the Pharisees, Jesus told them straight up. Look, you guys are hypocrites. He, he said, y'all hypocrites. You honoring God with your lips. Worshiping him, doing all kinds of things, but in your your heart, it ain't it ain't it ain't close to God at all. Your heart ain't right. Somebody said, God know my heart, he do. He know your heart is far from him. Because everything he tells us to do, we make an excuse for why we can't do it. I would forgive him, God, but man, you just don't understand what they said to me that time. I mean, they messed up my new shoes. I mean, I had just got them. I stood in line for these. 
Man, God, somebody <laughs> ran me off the road. Well, did you die? I didn't die, but I mean, I, I'm emotional distress. Man, we got so smart. We start talking about emotional distress. <laughs> so many things are hindering us and our relationship with God. And he just wants you to let it go. Because it, when you do, you're going to truly be able to see him. You'll truly be able to get closer to him. And the closer you get to God, the better your relationship gets with everybody around you. Imagine if everybody was working on their relationship with God, saying, man, no matter what, I just want to be a better person. Imagine how much better the world would be. You wouldn't have to worry about cameras everywhere because it'll be in your heart that I'm not going to steal. Because for one, God told me, and God loved me first, so now I'm going to love him back. And he said, don't steal. Because who you stealing from, that's my child. That's, that's mine. Don't steal from him. Don't kill him. That's mine. But we don't think that way. We don't think that way. So Jesus said they're blind leading the blind. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. But these are the people we're looking to follow. The people that, oh, they went to theology school. I, I know they know. And I'm not saying everybody from theology school doesn't know anything. But I'm just trying to show us how easily we are misled. Oh, they got a mega church. I know they teaching the truth. Otherwise, why they got that big church? <laughs> my, my, my. Because we don't know the scriptures... Jesus said, you do always err not knowing the scripture. You always messing up because you don't know any scriptures. You don't have an understanding of the scriptures. We think because somebody got a mega church, man, they got to be right. You see all those people following them and you think they wrong? <laughs> uh, God help us. But again, he said it's going to be few because most people aren't going to want to listen to this. So he said they're, they're blind, leading blind people. Let's keep going down, though. Uh, verse 15. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Now Peter is trying to understand what he meant when he said, It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but it's what comes out of you that defiles you. He said, We need to understand that. Let's go down. Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in that in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drop? Jesus said, whatever you eat goes into the belly and you and that's cast out of you into the toilet. That's, that's the toilet in our words. Whatever you eat, it goes in you. You use it for food, for strength. See, and that's another thing. We don't have any strength of our own. Any strength of our own. We have to eat things to gain strength. You don't eat. Somebody said, well, that ain't true. You go without eating and see how weak you get. We are so dependent on everything else, but we feel, man, I'm tough, I'm big, I'm bad. You're not. <laughs> you need strength, friend. You need that potato salad. You need the mac and cheese, the chicken, the, the hamburger. You need all that. 
You need the greens. You need that. You need the fruits. The vet. You need that for strength. We don't have any strength of our own. God designed us this way intentionally. So, he, But he said, whatever you eat, that goes in your belly and it comes out of you. You, can't, you put that into the, to the ground, to the toilet, wherever. And in verse 18, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. But now what comes out of your mouth, that came straight from your heart. What comes out of your mouth is what was in your heart. And that's what God, God is concerned with, your heart. Is your heart right? Again, the Bible says only the pure, only the pure at heart. They're the only ones that's going to see God, only the pure. And we, we, I guarantee there's somebody listening today, you know your heart isn't pure. But you have an opportunity right now to start working on it. That's what church is about. Working on yourself, not worrying about what the next person, well, they, well, they didn't do it. That's not what it's about. It's about working on your heart. We're always people are always saying, God knows my heart. Yes, it's not right. Your heart is not right. But you can work on it. Starting today. Yep. You can work on it. Only if you want to though. Because somebody said, Well, I don't want to hear that stuff. I'm already right. I, everything about me there you go. That's already wrong. <laughs> So let's see what he says comes out of your heart. Verse 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. That's what destroys you, what comes out of your heart. And oh, let's see what he said in verse 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These, thing, these are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not the man. Now he, now he sets the record straight with his disciples see notice something here his disciples peter he asked the question no doubt that question was on the other disciples minds also so friends when you ask a question there's a lot of people that have that same question so ask questions so peter asked the question he said tell us what you're talking about jesus said these are the evil things that come from your heart Evil thoughts. We know we have them. I know I've had many of them. Evil thoughts. A, a lot of times we get so mad at people, we'll wish evil on them. Yep. I, hope they tire, uh, I hope they tire goes flat. They house burned down. I hope they have a heart attack. So many evil things we think. He said evil thoughts. Murders. Jesus said if you hate your brother without a cause, you a murderer. And there is no cause worthy of that because... It was all nailed to the cross. He died for every single cause. He died for every single one. He said, if you hate your brother, you are a murderer. We know we have hatred in our heart. And according to Jesus, we're a murderer. And we never physically killed him. But we say, I hate him. You got people right now, they hate other races for no absolute reason. They don't even know why they hate him. Uh, see, we have our first question. Um, Vanessa says, so what are ways to control your thoughts? For one, we have to make sure we have the Holy Ghost. Because without it, there is no control over your heart. That's why God gave us the Holy Ghost. 
or gives us, I put it, that's why he gives us the opportunity to get it because not everybody has it. So we have to get it in order to control ourselves. That's the only real way we can control ourselves with the Holy Ghost. The power. The power. That's right. Jesus said, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power. Power over what? Your thoughts. Now, that's not to say you'll never have another bad thought ever. That's not to say that. That's not to say you'll never mess up in your life. That's not to say that. But you will have a control that other people won't have. Somebody said, I just don't know how you can do that. People say it all the time. Once you, once you actually start living for God, people say, I just don't see how you, you don't do what? I just don't see how you don't do that. Oh, boy, if I was you, I, I couldn't take that. I know you couldn't because you don't have the power. You don't have the Holy Ghost. I know you couldn't take it. See, look at what Jesus did. Put yourself in his shoes. And I, and I bring it up all the time because it's a really powerful moment. Jesus allowed people to lie on him. He allowed people to beat him, spit on him. I mean, spit on him. Ask, put yourself in that position. Can you do it? No, because we don't have the power to. We have to receive the Holy Ghost. And then, even then, we have to grow. We have to grow in Christ. We have to allow it to change us. It's not going to be an overnight thing. Oh, no. But it's just like a baby. You have to continue feeding that baby milk until it's able to take on actual meat. That's us when we get the Holy Ghost. We're fresh. We're young. But the more we feed, we feed ourselves with his word by prayer, by fasting, all those things. That's how we can continue to grow. And after a while, you get to a level like, man, I can't believe I'm even here. Because the person I was two years ago, one year ago, five years ago, man, if these same circumstances had have happened to me back then, man, I would have had to have told them something. But now you have power and you say, man, all I can say is bless you, friend, because you're going to get in trouble. See, it's different when you recognize that people are going to have to answer to God for what they do. Now, that changes the, that changes everything. When you recognize that. Uh, uh, Vanessa says, so me walking away from a lot of things meant that the Holy Spirit was and is with me in my life? Not necessarily. Because there are... Uh, so I put it to you this way. There are people who have a quick temper, but there are also people who don't have a quick temper. You have people who don't even believe in God. They might not be the fighting type. They say, I'm a lover, not a fighter. You got people who don't even believe in God. They're able to walk away from a fight. They're able to walk away from... <laughs> I watched a video... I seen a video on Facebook uh, maybe a few days ago, and it was a fight. And some one of the people they I mean they hit the other person extremely hard. I mean extremely hard. And literally the person literally turned and walked straight away. The person that got hit. Now I can't say they have the Holy Ghost because if they did have the Holy Ghost, what they out there fighting for in the first place? 
What what could make them so mad? Say, all right, let's get it. I'm ready. <laughs> what what they out there doing that for in the first place? But the point is, um, just because you can walk away from something doesn't mean you have the Holy Ghost. Because, for example, if we look at Jesus's uh, eleven disciples. Because Judas, uh, ultimately, he ended up uh, hanging himself. If we look at his 11 disciples, Jesus had died, rose again, and left the earth. And they still didn't have the Holy Ghost. We have people in scripture who have believed and been baptized in Jesus' name and still didn't have the Holy Ghost. So, it is not guaranteed that we have the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, well, I went to church. Or I said I believe in Jesus Christ. I got the Holy Ghost. That's not true. I know I got the Holy Ghost because I've been in church for 15 years. That, that doesn't mean you have the Holy Ghost, friend. So, we have to go back and see how the apostles got the Holy Ghost first. And then go look and see how everyone else in Scripture receive the Holy Ghost. So only if we receive it the same way they did from the very beginning, that's the only way we'll know. Because people will fool us all the time. Well, a lot of people right now, a lot of people we think are saved are not even saved. But it's because we don't know the scriptures. Jesus said, you do error always. You're always in error. You're always wrong because you don't know the scriptures. But that's uh, some good questions, Vanessa. That's some good questions. Um, and we can look at the Holy Ghost, uh, how a person knows they have it, if you'd like. Um, just let us know. Definitely. But uh, so Jesus says, out of your heart, yeah. Yeah, we can look at whatever you like to. Just just ask, ask away. Uh, I don't we, know we respond to that, but. Yeah, I, I don't. Because it's the delay, but yeah, I, I'm not sure what you said really for, but but uh, yeah, we'll definitely look at whatever it is that you have questions about. Whatever it is, then that goes for anybody. If anybody mm -hmm. has questions, it doesn't have to be on the topic that we're talking about, and you don't have to wait until Thursday evenings for us to do the live stream. Just message us. Or if you want us to talk about a certain subject during our live stream, just message us and say, hey, can you talk about this passage right here? Mm -hmm. More than happy to. Mm -hmm. But so Jesus said there's a lot of things in our heart. Murders, adulteries, fornication. Now, we know we got that stuff in our heart. We know it's in our heart. We're no, we know we think about this stuff all the time. Theft. People, people waiting for nightfall. Some folks can't even wait for nightfall. Some folks say, well, I'll do it in the daytime. It don't matter. False witness. Lying. Blasphemy. So many things are in our heart. But God wants to remove it from us. He wants to take that burden off of us. These are the things in verse 20. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashing hands 
defileth not a man. The traditions were keep. People are, again, they were so concerned with the tradition. Jesus said, man, you don't have to worry about these traditions. If, if you didn't want to wash, if there's no water around you to wash your hand, it's okay. Because, and we'll pick this up in the book of Timothy. But he said, look, it's sanctified by prayer. Now, that's faith. Having faith in God is being able to say, man, I know I didn't wash my hands. Uh, I, I know this may not look right, but... I'm going to pray, and God's going to make it okay. And sorry to cut you off. Um, Vanessa says, well, I don't know any yet. I'm still reading, but tell me some so I can read them. I'm guessing the verses that um, talking about how people receive the Holy Ghost. And Angela says, asks, is it a sin to be cremated? I haven't found in the Bible where it says it. That's why we have to repent daily and die to the flesh. I don't know if she's connecting that with that question. but Okay, uh, well, first, Vanessa... Tell us exactly, I want to make sure I get it right. Tell us exactly what it is that you were talking about. You say you don't know any yet and you're still reading. Uh, what what scriptures are you referring to that you would like us to tell you about? Um, is it regard to receiving the Holy Ghost or um, any other thing that we've talked about? Just let us know uh, and we'll look at that. And uh, what was that, Angela? Mm -hmm. That writing's kind of small. Uh, Angela says, is it, is it a sin to be cremated? <clears throat> now, I have not found it, and it's not in scriptures where it says it's a sin to be cremated. But now, I'm going I'm to do some digging into that before I say. Um, so, if you will be so gracious and kind to tune in with us next week, I'll get back to you with that answer. And you hold me to it. Um I'm pretty sure I know the answer already, but just make sure it's 100% scripture. But I mean. but I don't like to say something that I hadn't looked into, so I'm a I'm I'm going to look into that, and and if you're if you will be so kind to tune in next week, I'll definitely get to that answer uh, for you, and then we can open up with that um, that question. I'll give that answer. And Vanessa says receiving the Holy Spirit. So verses on how they receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, yes. Um, we'll, we'll definitely take a look at that, which we were finishing Matthew anyways. So we can go to that now. Uh, let's go to the book of Acts. Oh, the book of Acts. The second chapter. And this is a new setup for us, by the way. Um, I don't even know what it's called. Kind of like a hologram or something. I don't know. Green screen technologies. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know if anything looks or sounds off. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I don't know how I feel about it, but you, you out there watching, let us know if you like it, dislike it, whatever you guys think. Uh, because at the end of the day, this product is. Um, we want it to be acceptable to you guys. Now, yeah. the scriptures, I'm not changing that for anybody, but something along the lines of display, how we uh, show things on the screen, now we, we're willing to change that uh, to you know what other people find appeasing also. But like I said, scripture, you know, we're, I'm not bending on that. But so in the book of Acts, we're going to look at how one receives 
the Holy Spirit. All right, Vanessa likes it. <laughs> Thank you, Vanessa. <laughs> okay, what verse? Uh, we're going to look at Acts, the second chapter. And actually... Uh, oh, Robert says, maybe a little more lighting. Everything else seems great. Thank you, Robert. Angela says, y'all look on point. Love the setup. Thank you, Angela. Okay, thank thank all of you guys for definitely. input. Definitely. Uh, Melvin has definitely worked hard on all of this stuff. He's worked extremely hard. I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> you and just good. You just keep going in this and, box. And I still don't know where to start. <laughs> Uh, let's actually go to, I think I want to go to the first chapter first. First chapter. No, no, let's, let's, let's go ahead. Let's just stay in the second chapter. So in the second chapter, Jesus has told us, uh, in the first chapter, he said, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So he tells his disciples in the first, let's go ahead. Uh, and, uh, Vanessa says she never read these. Let's let's go to the first chapter. I like to I like to show everything that I'm talking about. Um, so in the first chapter of Acts, we'll start with let's start with verse three. All right, verse three, of Acts chapter one. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now we're talking about Jesus. Acts is the actions of the apostles. That's what this book is about. What the apostles did after Jesus left. This is where we'll see churches started. I had a man talking to me just a couple of days ago. The man said he'd never seen a church in the Bible. He said he'd never seen where they went to church in the Bible. I was like, man, what? And you went to you went to school for this? What? People come up with anything. But so, Jesus showed himself to be alive after his passion. The movie is called The Passion of Christ. After his death, he showed himself alive 40 days. And he was telling them about the kingdom of God. All right? And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which saith he, ye have heard of me. He told them, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of God. God has made them a promise. And what is that promise? It's going to be that they are going to receive the Holy Ghost. But let's see. Let's see what he says. For John, for John truly baptized with water, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. That was the promise. He said, y'all got baptized by water. John was out here doing that. But now you're going to receive the Holy Ghost because you need it. Jesus said himself, you must be born of water and spirit. Water and the Holy Ghost. Water baptism and the Holy Ghost. So he said, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost soon. Not many days hence. You're going to receive it. So that was the promise. Now, I want you to think of think about something. Jesus's disciples did they believe in him? They had to. This man was killed in front of them and they seen this man come back to life. 
after three whole days. Now he was good and dead after three days. Somebody said, "Well, he might have not. He might have not died uh, because somebody said he died and came back to life. I mean, it happened so fast. No, this was three days here. So, Robert has a great question. What about receiving the Holy Spirit without water baptism? That's yeah, a great. Question. Yeah, we'll get to that too because yeah. just because a person is water baptized does not mean they receive the Holy Ghost. The two are separate. They're, they're two separate things. That's why Jesus said, you must, John 3, verse 3 and verse 5 in the book of John. He said, you must be born again of water and spirit. Because they're two different things. Water baptism and the Holy Ghost, two different things. Just because you get baptized, just because somebody said, I've been baptized, that doesn't mean you have the Holy Ghost. Just because you say, well, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross and rose again the third day. That doesn't mean you have the Holy Ghost. And that's what I'm explaining right now. If there's anybody that ever believed in Jesus, it would be the people that seen him die and raise again after three whole days. If anybody believed in him, it would be them. And after 40 days, they still didn't have the Holy Ghost. After 40 whole days. So how is it that we are going to churches today and they say, once you believe in Jesus Christ and accept him into your heart, you automatically got the Holy Ghost. That ain't what the scripture is showing us right here. That's not what it's showing us. Because, again, if there's anybody that believed in him, it was these people. So he said, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost soon. You don't have it. You don't have it. They weren't fighting Jesus and said, well, Jesus, we already believe in you. We already got it. That ain't what they said. So drop down. Because we'll see his own mother was there. Read verse 13 for us first. Verse 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zealots and Judas the brother of James. Shows us who was who was there in this place where Jesus Jesus had talked to them. And now, fast forward, now they went to the upper room so that they can receive the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem. And that's where they were, in Jerusalem. So we see the 11 apostles were there because Judas had already killed himself. Judas Iscariot. So now, show us who also was there. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Shows us that Jesus' brothers were there, his own family. His family was there. He, he wasn't letting anybody slide. Jesus was not going to let anybody slide. They all had to get the Holy Ghost. They all had to get baptized. Jesus' brethren, his own brothers, and his mother. He didn't leave. He didn't cut no slack for nobody. We all got to do the same thing. His own mother was there. But what were they there for? To receive the promise. Let's flip over to chapter 2. When they finally received the Holy Ghost. Chapter 2. And we'll start at verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with, all with one accord in one place. They all were there with one purpose, one mission in mind, to receive the Holy Ghost. Now, 
they prioritized receiving the Holy Ghost because Jesus had been talking about it so much. They said, man, we want to see what this is about. We need this. It's going to be power, Jesus told me. All right. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Mm -hmm. There was a sound. A sound came from heaven. Now, this was a heavenly sound. But let's find out what that sound was because the sound was not a rushing wind. Hold on. Vanessa says which book again? The book of Acts. Yeah, we're in the book of Acts. And if you don't have a Bible, we do have it on the screen. Uh, but yeah, we're in the book of Acts, the second chapter. About to read verse 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And if anything is still unclear, definitely ask. And uh, even if you wait until the video is over, if you just like, man, I still didn't really get it. You can go back and watch the video again after it's uploaded. Uh, but it's definitely why you have us, definitely ask ask all the questions you have. Yep. But uh, read verse 2 again, Miller. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, we have 120 people. Chapter 1 told us. Did we read that verse where it said it was 120? Oh, that was verse 15. We don't have to go back and get it, but... Excuse me. In chapter 1, verse 15, it tells us there were 120 people waiting to receive the Holy Ghost. 120 people. So when we come to chapter 2, we find that there was a sound that was in the entire house. All 120 people made this sound. It didn't tell us, if you go back again to verse 2, it does not say the rushing mighty wind made the sound. It said it was as a rushing mighty wind. It was like a rushing mighty wind. But we're going to see what the sound was. Keep reading down there. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. They had different tongues. It's about the tongue. It was something about the tongue. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Hold on, what? What happened now? And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they were all filled. Now, this is what you were asking about, Vanessa. In verse 4, now that if you if you don't highlight any other verses, this should be the focus verse here. This should be a verse you say, I got to go back and read that verse 4 again. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, this is the first time we see the Holy Ghost fall. On God's people. This is the first time we see it fall on God's people. And it was 120 people that it happened for. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, how in the world did they know? And began to speak with other tongues. Now, in verse 2, it said there was a sound that came from heaven. And then we find out as we keep reading. They all spoke in a different tongue. That was the sound. This was the sound that came from heaven. Now, somebody said, no, that wasn't the sound. Somebody want to argue. But the scripture is plain. It's plain as day. They all began to speak with other tongues immediately after they were filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. 
Uh-huh. They began and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It didn't say as <laughs> Tony was filled with the Holy Ghost uh, and began to speak in tongues as Tony gave himself the utterance. It didn't say that. It said the Spirit gave them the utterance. The Spirit enabled them to speak in tongues. So what this is showing us is that when you receive the Holy Ghost for the first time, you will speak in tongues. No if and buts about it. Somebody out there may say, well, it never happened for me. You have not received it yet, but you can. Just don't reject it. If you reject it, then God ain't going to do it for you. If you just go in it with an open mind and say, well, I don't know if I necessarily even believe it, but I'm going to try God to see if it's true. Try God. You're not trying, Tony. Try God and see if it's true. See if the scriptures are not true. God will make you a believer. They were all filled and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is where we see the Spirit fall. This is how they knew. In fact, in the 10th chapter of Acts, Peter went down there and he preached to these people. He really, he was just talking to them. And the preacher came up and the preacher rose up. And he heard them speak in tongues. And he knew instantly these people got the same Holy Ghost that we got in the beginning. He couldn't deny it. He couldn't deny it. But I want to answer, uh, who was Roberts. that? Robert, yeah. What about receiving the Holy Spirit without water baptism? I want to I wanna go look at that. Um Let's go to the 8th chapter. So, let's go to the 8th chapter. We'll read verse 5 just to kind of introduce what's going on here. And then we're going to drop down. Alright, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Now, Philip has came to the city of Samaria... And he's preaching the name of the Lord Jesus. He's preaching to these people. Telling them about salvation. Alright. Now drop down to verse 10. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest. Saying this man is the great power of God. Actually drop down to verse 12. Philip came down there preaching Christ. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now, the scripture plainly tells us they believed what Philip said. Now, what did Philip say? He told them Jesus Christ died. I mean, how else can he preach Christ without telling them that? He told them Jesus Christ died for their sins and rose again. And he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. He, he told them that. He had to. Because what else can he tell them? If you talk about Christ, this is, this, is, this is what you're going to talk about. When you talk about Christ to somebody who's never heard about him before, this is what you're going to tell them. He died for you. He loved you. He took so much for you. So he went down there and he told them about Jesus Christ. Did you finish that verse? Yeah. Okay. 
Read one more time. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now, that's what Robert asked about, being baptized. Notice here, they believe, they accept. Now, as people would say today, they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They believed him. And they even went as far as getting baptized. Drop down to verse 14. Now when the apostles which were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Uh-huh. Why they sent Peter and John down to Samaria? Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Wait, what? They went, they sent Peter and John down to Samaria so that these people could receive the Holy Ghost. Now, it is popular opinion that when you get baptized, when you believe and get baptized, you already got the Holy Ghost. That's what a lot of people are teaching. But the scripture, now, I'll stick with the scripture any day over anybody. I don't care if they went to school for 50 years. I don't care if they got a mega church. I don't care if they have a million dollars. The scripture says they believed Philip and he preached about Jesus Christ. And they even got baptized. But they still had, the apostles at Jerusalem still had to send Peter and John down there so that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Read verse 16. For as yet, he was falling upon none of them. The Bible had to tell us twice. For as yet, he was falling upon none of them. The Holy Ghost was not given to any of them. Had to tell us twice. Mm-hmm. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, that's showing a lot. Because again, there are so many people who will tell you that once you believe in Jesus Christ, you got the Holy Ghost. Once you get baptized in Jesus Christ, you got the Holy Ghost. That's not true. Let's move. Let's actually go to the 10th chapter. Yeah, I think that's what he was saying. What about getting the Holy Ghost without water baptism? Yeah, that, that's what we really covered in chapter 2. But let's go to the 10th chapter, though. We'll go to the 10th chapter. And we'll start at verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. Now, in this chapter, we find a group of people who were not saved. They are hearing about Jesus and hearing about salvation. I'm sure some of them for the first time. Maybe all of them. I don't know if all of them, but at least some of them hearing about these things for the first time. And now Peter begins to tell them about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in verse 44, read that one again, Melvin. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. Peter was merely talking. He was doing nothing but talking. And the Holy Ghost fell on everybody he was talking to. The scripture said it fell on all of them which heard the word, every single one of them. The Holy Ghost fell on all of them. 
Read verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They heard them speak with tongues. The same way it happened in chapter 2. The same way. The same way it happened in the beginning. They heard them speak with tongues. Alright. And then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? So we see there, Robert, these people received the Holy Ghost and hadn't even been baptized yet. I know there's a group of people that say you must be baptized before you can receive the Holy Ghost. I've heard that before too. So Peter was doing nothing but talking and these people began to receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. They heard the Bible said the Holy Ghost fell on all of them. And they heard them all speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, like it said in chapter 2. So then Peter, now this is a true preacher. He knows you need water and spirit. He knows you need water baptism and receiving the Holy Ghost. He immediately asked, can any man stop water? Can anybody stop them from getting baptized? Can they stop us? Can they reject baptism? Somebody, there's so many people right now that have the Holy Ghost and they still reject getting water baptized. They say, I don't have to do that. That don't mean nothing. But Peter said, can you forbid it? All right. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. He didn't ask. He didn't ask. He said, you need to be baptized. He didn't say, well... You could get baptized if you would like to. It really doesn't mean anything. No, no. He said, friends, y'all need to get baptized. He said, you need to. Now, if you don't want to, that's your choice. But he commanded them. He said, y'all need to do this. He commanded them. You need to do this. If you want to be saved, it's not an option. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He commanded them to do that. So we'll see that we have seen that you can be baptized without the Holy Ghost. And you can also have the Holy Ghost without being baptized. We've seen that in chapter 8. We seen they were baptized and didn't have the Holy Ghost. In chapter 10, we seen they got the Holy Ghost but weren't baptized yet. Not a lot of questions I already answered in the scriptures. All of them. But will you accept them? So I hope that clears it up, Robert and Vanessa and anyone else that had any questions. But if not, definitely ask because we can go to more places. We can cover the same stuff again. We can do whatever it takes to anyone who is uh, diligently seeking God's word. Yep. I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> we can definitely go into it more. But, again, Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born of water and spirit. You got to do them both. That's the reason Peter said you can't, you can't uh, forbid this.
Thank God for you, Vanessa, <laughs> for watching and tuning in with us and asking questions. And thank you also, Robert. Thank you, thank you, Robert. I'm glad that helped. Um, but if nobody has any more questions on this topic, we'll go back to um, the traditions uh, because a lot of you may have heard people will say you can't eat certain meats. A lot of people will say that. Um, a lot of people will say you should still be keeping the Sabbath day. And even if you are a person who believes these things, I pray that you would tune in, continue tuning in with us to see what the scripture says on these uh, specific topics. Um, but let's go to 1 Timothy 4 and 4. Actually, verse 1. We'll start at verse 1. Chapter 4. So that's 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, this is the time we live in. In the last days, people are going to depart from faith. They're going to depart from what is actually true, and they're going to believe lies. That's all it's saying. Uh-oh. Uh, Vanessa says, well, I'm having trouble with my kids and lying. What can I do to help them? Well, you definitely need to um, encourage them to receive the Spirit of God. Because, again, like we were saying earlier, the Holy Ghost is power against all of those things. Lying, stealing, whatever, cheating, whatever it is, the Holy Ghost is power against all of that. Is power against it all. So, because the Bible tells us not to do these things, but how could God tell us not to do it if we don't have access to the power to not do it? He has to make a way for us to do it. So that's what the Holy Ghost is for. So encourage them. Pray for them especially. Pray too. But encourage them and say, hey, let's go to church. Let's, let's receive the Holy Ghost. There are Those things are to help your children. Because flip back to Acts, the second chapter, right quick. And verse 38 and 39. Because this Holy Ghost is for your children also. All right, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, they asked Peter, they asked the same question you asked. Actually, go, go up to 37. They asked the same question. They said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we need to do? They asked the same question. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They said, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Peter said, repent, get baptized and get the Holy Ghost. 
Get baptized and get the Holy Ghost. And read verse 39 for us. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. My, my, my. Now, Jesus said in chapter 1, he said the promise. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost soon. It's coming soon. The promise was the Holy Ghost. Now, remember the terminology. Now, in verse 39, he said, for the promise is unto you. The Holy Ghost is unto you and to your children. God wants to give the Holy Ghost to your children. That's why we have so many of our children going to jail, going to prison, doing such heinous crimes. Because we haven't been training up the children in the way that they should go. He said, train up a child in the way that he should go. Vanessa says, well, their ages are 13, 10, 7, and 3. And that's good because right now you have an opportunity to train them in the way that they should go. That's amazing because once they get up to 20, 25, I mean 18, shoot, you got kids now, they don't want to do that. I don't want to listen to you at 16, especially teenage when, age. Especially when they turn 18. Mm -hmm. But right now, you have authority over them. They're living with you. You can say, look, we're going to church this week. We're going to tune in to Bible study. We're going to go to Bible study. We're going to be about God. You have the power to say that. So you can help them. You can kind of help them to see. You can read with them. You can read the Bible with them. You can help them to see that, man, God loves them. And so once they see that, they say, well, I want to get baptized. I want to get the Holy Ghost. God will work on your children too. And it's prime time when they're young. That's why he said train them up. So these are things that you can be doing with your children now because Paul, or excuse me, Peter just told us here. He said, the Holy Ghost is unto you and your children and to everybody else. Because God promised it to you. He said, if you want it, you can get it. And this is going to protect our children against everything. Everything. All the evil things in the world. The Holy Ghost is our protector. It's our comforter. It will... See, God is the only one who can truly work and change someone's heart. God can work on a person in ways we can't even imagine working on a person. God has to do that. So when we get God inside of us, he can really work then. But as long as we keep God on the outside, he can't really work on us. But the Holy Ghost is God coming into you. He's coming into your heart, working on your heart, changing your heart. So yes, there are a lot of people who have been liars, thieves thieves and then God came and changed them look at Paul look at Paul Paul was a murderer he has so many people killed who believed in Jesus Christ he has so many people killed and even when he was converted he was on his way to kill some more people had evil in his heart but look at what God did God turned his life around. He allowed God to come inside of him. He allowed God to give him the Holy Ghost. 
And that's where the true change starts when you receive the Holy Ghost. Without that, it's going to be tough. Without being baptized, it's going to be tough. It's going to be impossible, to be honest with you. It's going to be impossible. Uh, Kiana has an, a question in reference to traditions. What about tattoos? My granddad fussed from, from my first one, and I got two more. He told me my body was a temple, and I refuted by saying, if it is my temple, why can't I decorate it the way I want? My mouth is smart when I'm irritated. <laughs> uh, I'll get to that in just a second. I also wanted to say, uh, Vanessa said what, and I wasn't sure what you meant by that. Uh, but good question, Kiana. Uh, tattoos is definitely a tradition. Let's get the book of Leviticus. Um, let me see where it said. I don't remember off the top of my head. I know it's in the book of Leviticus. But I'm going to see exactly what verse it is. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 19. And it should be around verse 28. Um, Sure, and Vanessa said um, about Peter. What about Peter? I'm guessing saying, I'm not sure. Uh, can you um, clarify what do you mean when you said what and then about about Peter, Vanessa? Like what saying were you referring to? Yeah, clear that up for us while we answer Kiana's question. All right, so uh, thank you for the question. So. Tradition, it definitely is a tradition uh, in our society to have tattoos. Uh, and especially depending on what profession you're in, you're more likely to have tattoos depending on what profession. Uh, because obviously some professions don't really allow it. And so for those, people will follow their rules. And that's interesting because certain jobs will not allow you to get a tattoo, uh, like a visible one especially. And if we love that job enough, we will adhere to their rule. But now, God, if he tells us don't get a tattoo, we say, well, God, I just, I don't see why you won't let me do it. Like you said, Keanu, it's my body. I can do what I want. But that's where we have missed something because we were bought with a price. Uh, the scripture says we were bought with a price. In the book of Peter, we were destined for hell. The de We actually belonged to Satan. But God, through Jesus Christ, bought us back so that now we have an opportunity for salvation. But so let's look at uh, Leviticus 19 and 28. Uh, Leviticus 19 and 28. Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. The Bible says, know ye not that your body is the temple of God. Not that your body is your temple. Your body is the temple of God. So if God owns my body, he can tell me what it is that I need to do with my body. 
because God owns everything. But now we obviously we have our own choices. We can decide, well, I don't want to do what God said. And that's okay. We don't have to. We'll just have to live with the consequences. But everything God tells us to do is for our benefit. He is looking out for us. He 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 wants the best for us. In the situation we're in, we can't see it. So we operate off of feelings and emotions when God sees beyond that. I use the example all the time. Right now we're in a room and the door is shut. We can't see on the other side of that wall. We can't see. But God can. He can see further than what we can see. So if God says, you need to leave out of this room through the window, we say, well, God, it's a door right there. What's, why can't I leave out the door? What's wrong with that? But God, he sees something that we don't see. He sees that there's maybe someone on the other side waiting to attack us. There may be snakes on the other side waiting to bite us. God's trying to save us from something. Everything he tells us to do is to save us. But because we don't see what he sees, we choose to disobey him. But so, read verse 28 again for us. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. He plainly tells us here. He says, don't make any cuttings in your flesh. That's, that's all a tattoo is. He said, nor print any marks upon you for the dead. Don't make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor any marks. That's what a tattoo is. So, yes, uh, I think you said your you said your granddad. It is God who put that into effect that we shouldn't get tattoos. That was God's doing. Because even back long ago, people were getting for for deceased family members, for somebody they cared about. They would write their name on their body. But our bodies belong to God, not to our deceased family member. And I know somebody may be upset about that, but God's word has to go forth. I'm not getting paid for this. So I have to, not, not from people, I'm getting paid from God. But so God, that's God's word. He said, don't get any tattoos. Don't get any cuttings. Don't get any markings on you, even if it's for the dead. I had a, uh, I had a girl. I, I tried to show her these scriptures because I knew she believed in God and and she said she she loved Jesus. And so she was a uh, good question, Vanessa. She said, "Go ahead, read it." Uh, Vanessa asked, "So will God forgive us for those things?" I'm guessing, like if. Mm -hmm. If you have tattoos or if you have piercings, um, will God forgive you for that? 100% he will. Yes. 100%. If you repent. If you say, well, well, God, I'm still going to get some more. I'm just going to say sorry when I'm done. He know that's not true repentance. But if you say, God, okay, I shouldn't have did this. I'm not going to do it again. He'll forgive you. He will forgive you. There is nothing that Jesus Christ didn't die for except blaspheming the Holy Ghost. But for these things, God will forgive you. 
That's only if you repent, though. Only if you accept that it's wrong. Again, some people are just going to say, I, I don't care. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I know it's a lot of people that's going to say that. Like I was saying, one of my friends, and it's hard when you care about people. You want them to accept what God says because I know I can't change it. I know I didn't write it. I know I can't change it. I know I have to accept it because I want to be saved at the end of the day. And I know God has some greater things for us that we don't even know about yet. But so I was trying to get her to see God doesn't want you to do that. And she told me, she said, yeah, I prayed about it. And basically she was saying God told her to get it. And I said, man, what? Because you prayed about it? God's not going to go against what he said. If I want to go out and murder somebody, God plainly tells me not to murder. And I said, well, man, I went and prayed about it. And God was, told me, he gave me the okay. It just felt right. God said, I can go ahead and do it. Felt right. I felt it right there in my heart. The heart is deceitful. My, my, my. We are, it's our own desires. It's so many things that we want that we will deceive our very selves. So many things that, and that's what God is about. He wants to see just how much you will love him because there are so many, Keanu, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. There are so many things that we desire. It is in our flesh to desire so many things that are against God. That's in our flesh. There's some things that we want to do that God said, no, don't you do that, Tony. And he knows we're going to want to do it, but he's going to see if we're willing to give that up for him. Because we do that, <laughs> we do that at our job. We do that at school. We do it everywhere we go. We give up things that we want for what, for the people that are in charge, what's that, what they say. You might have been at school and said, man, I sure do want to get drunk right now. But you couldn't because school didn't allow you to. So many things we want. Go ahead. I see there's a question there. Uh, Keanu said my biggest tattoo is the one I got after my granddad died. Okay, no more. <laughs> I understand. Praise God. You said, okay, no more. See, that that's that's what it's all about, though. I, I understand, and God understands even better than I do. He understands you got the tattoo uh, for your deceased grandfather. But after you find out that you shouldn't be doing it, it's a beautiful thing when you can say, all right, I'm not going to do it anymore, God. Notice when they brought the uh, lady who was caught in the act of adultery, when they brought her in to Jesus, a crucial part that people don't pay attention to. Everybody's fast to bring up the part that says he who was without sin cast the first stone. They fast to bring that one up. They said, see, he, you don't supposed to be casting no stones at me. You don't supposed to be judging me. 
But what did Jesus say after that? Go and sin no more. He said, go and <laughs> sin no more. He told the woman who was caught in adultery, he said, don't go do that no more. Don't do that again. He didn't say, oh, honey, you, 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 you just fine. Everything's okay. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep living your best life. He didn't say that. He said, Jesus himself said, go and don't do it again. He corrected her. He didn't say, man, you kept, you messed up, woman. He, he didn't do all that. He said, look, just don't do it again. Love and kindness. Just don't do it again. That's all. It's not right. Just don't do it again. But only some of us are willing to accept what it is that we find. Only some of us. But it's a beautiful thing when somebody is willing to accept it. Because that's God working on your heart right there. That's God making your heart pure. When you can see God doesn't want you to do something, you say, all right, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Even though I don't want to. I don't even understand right now, God, why you don't want me to do that. I don't even understand. But you say, I'm going to do it anyways. And if you continue, he'll open your eyes. He'll, he'll, he'll give you an understanding of why he said don't do it. So I applaud you. I really do. Because a lot of people won't accept it. But um, thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for asking questions. Um, I hope this is answering questions that other people had also. And um, to go back, Vanessa commented about 10 minutes ago about the guy that he was saying about God changed from a murderer to a follower of Christ. So, Paul. Oh, Paul. Let, let's, let's go pull up Paul. Uh, let's go to Acts, the ninth chapter. Uh, Vanessa says, thank you for that. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So, um, we're in Acts the ninth chapter for anyone who is following us in their hard copy of the Bible or on your phone or your own resources. Uh, we're in Acts the ninth chapter and we're going to look at verse 1. So, Paul was originally named Saul. But after his conversion, God changed his name. But we're going to look at him in the beginning first. We're going to look at his life before he got saved. Uh, Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest mm -hmm. and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now look at this man. He hated the name of Jesus so much. He went and got letters to give him permission to go out of his jurisdiction. Uh, Robert says, I am truly enjoying this live. Thank God. Praise Lord yes, to sir. God, Robert. Glad you are. Glad you are. This man... I can't think of the word for it. He got a search warrant. It's basically a search warrant. He got a warrant to go outside of his jurisdiction to get these people and bring them back captive who were calling on the name of Jesus. People that said, man, we're followers of Christ. He is going out having these people killed. Now, this man 
This is the person who wrote majority of the New Testament. He wrote majority of the Bible. Not not while he was still living like this, though. Yeah. He, he, he wasn't writing the Bible like while he was living like this. But God changed this man. Now, this is the power of the Holy Ghost. God changed him. So, he wrote letters to the high priest because he wanted to go to Damascus so that anybody he found, he didn't care if it was a woman, a, a man, a child, infant, he, he didn't care. He didn't care who it was. He killed them all. He was ruthless. He wanted to bring them back to Jerusalem to be killed. All right. Verse 3, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. A light from heaven shined, shined on him, a light from heaven. God turned the light on Mm -hmm. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He, <laughs> I heard one preacher call this the, the, the largest roadblock in history. Greatest. The greatest roadblock in history. He was on his way and a light shined on him and he heard he fell to the earth, knocked him to his knees. He fell to the earth because when you come to God, you're going to come humbly. He's going to well, humble people you. say you're going to come correct. <laughs> God is going to humble you. It doesn't matter how big. You may be six foot, uh, 250. It don't matter how many muscles you got. It doesn't matter uh, uh, what color your hair is. Your weave look good. <laughs> you gonna come. You're going to humble yourself in God's presence. So he knocks him to his feet, and God says to him, Saul, why are you fighting against me? Why are you persecuting me, Saul? Why are you fighting against me? But notice, he didn't. He couldn't touch God. He couldn't touch God. None of us can touch God. We can't. We can't do nothing to God. But he was fighting God's people. And God said, why are, you, why are you fighting me? He was fighting his people. All right. And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said. Oh, he said, who are you, Lord? Now, this voice comes from heaven. In the book of uh, Acts, the 8th chapter, Peter told them, excuse me, the 10th chapter, Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Paul the Bible will tell you Paul spoke to God in the Hebrew tongue. He said, who are you, Lord? In the Hebrew tongue, he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. The Lord told you who he was. It ain't no fight over who the Lord is. So he said, I'm Jesus. All right. Again, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the priest. It's hard for you to fight against the truth. That's that's the problem. A lot of us are having, that ain't even a problem. That's the circumstance we find ourselves in right now. It's hard for us to fight the truth. I know I couldn't. I say, well, that's that's the truth. I mean, I may not like it, but that, that's true. I had to accept it. There's nothing I can do. It's hard for me to fight against the truth. All right. Uh. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? 
And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. He said, Go into the city that you were already headed to anyways. See, you were going to Damascus for one reason. God turned that around, and now he's going to save you in Damascus. How God can flip things upside down. He said, go, but, but notice what he said, because I want somebody to catch this. He said, it's going to go into the city and it's going to be told to you what you should do. Now, God talked to this man directly. Well, how can he tell? God could have told him what he wanted <laughs> to do. He said, hold on, what you mean it's going to be told? Why don't you tell me now, God? <laughs> ain't how he operates. <laughs> he got somebody who's going to tell you what to do. And that's a problem that people have with God and church today. We think can't nobody tell us nothing. We say, I, I don't need I don't need to go to no church. I don't need to talk to no preacher. I, I don't have to do none of that. I can read the Bible for myself and I can find out what everything means. You can't. <laughs> and I'm not sorry to tell you. I'm happy to tell you. You can't. In John chapter 3 as well. You can't. Somebody has to tell you. Now, I'm not saying somebody has to tell you every little thing. I'm not saying that. But there are things God is going to withhold from you in order for somebody else to tell you. Because Paul, he, was, he wrote majority of the New Testament. So if God had respect a person, he should have told his man, he said, well, since, since I know who you're going to be later on in life, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. He didn't say that. I'll go ahead and tell you. Anybody else, though, I wouldn't have told them. But, but you, Paul, I'll tell you. Or Saul at the time. But no, he said, go down there. I got somebody. Somebody's going to tell you. They're going to tell you what to do. All right. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. He's showing us there, back to that scripture we just read. He's showing us that we need a preacher. You got to have him. He said, how can they hear without a preacher? <laughs> the Bible says it is impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible. So how can you be saved if you don't have faith? But then in Romans, the 10th chapter, he also says faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So faith, you get faith by hearing the word of God. And then he says, how can they hear without a preacher? So <laughs> he said, you gain faith by hearing the word of God from a true preacher. That's how you're going to gain your faith. Why? Because he has someone who's going to tell you. In the book of... Uh, I forgot where it was at. But he said, I'll give you pastors according to mine own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. He said, I'll give you pastors. And it's their job to give you this knowledge. And, and it's incredible because every other aspect of life, we accept somebody teaching us stuff. And this is another <laughs> verse. I mean, I know people get upset. When, you know, we say what they're, or any preacher, true preacher of God, say what they're doing is a sin. They will say that we're judging them. 
And in one place, I also forget where it is. He says, God says, I will give you pastors to let you know of your transgressions, mm-hmm. to let you know of your wrong, wrongdoing. We're not telling we're not telling you what you're doing is a sin because we want to judge you. We're saying that because we care for your soul. Mm-hmm. We want to see you get right with God. It's not it's not judging because we just saw what God can do with um, Saul at the time and turn him into Paul. So we're not commending you to hell for eternity. We're, we're trying to tell you, let you know, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not what God wants you to do. He has so much better for you. Not for judging, but because we want to see you get it right. We want to see everyone get it right. So I just wanted to add that. I forgot what that verse is, though. It's many different places. It's, um, it's many of them. That's what he sent the preacher for. To show the people their transgressions. But we get mad at the messenger. <laughs> They've been killing prophets and preachers. <laughs> they killed Jesus himself. He brought the message. They killed him. Jesus called them hypocrites. They burning every day. Get madder and madder every day. <laughs> man, I can't stand him. He think he's something. Call them hypocrites. Tell them, hey, man, you're not doing it right. You're not doing what you say you believe in. You don't really believe what you say you believe in. So, but let's go back to verse 7 again. Uh, and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Now, they wondering what's going on here, all right? And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Now, a light shined on him and blinded him. Man couldn't even see. Opened his eyes and couldn't see a single thing. They had the people he went there with had to lead him by hand to Damascus. Alright. And he was three days without sight, and neither did did eat nor drink. The man fasted. Vanessa was asking earlier how we get ourselves in condition to do what God said do. Fasting. Fasting and prayer is crucial. Jesus, after he was baptized by John the Baptist, after he received the Holy Ghost, Luke the third chapter, verse 21, after that happened, he fasted. Because it is pivotal, it's vital for for our growth. It helps us to grow. Fasting, Fasting and prayer. So he was blinded for three days. He fasted, and no doubt the man did some praying. No doubt he did. I guarantee he prayed. You go blind and think you're not going to pray. <laughs> he prayed. It didn't even have to tell us that. I know he prayed. All right. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Now this is the man who God was going to use to tell Saul what he needed to hear. God said, go on down there to Damascus. I'll have somebody tell you what it is you need to hear. We can't go around God. He's not going to do it for us no other way. He's not going to do it. All right. And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street, which is called straight. And inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayed. He praying. He praying, all right? 
and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Uh, Vanessa asked a question. Uh, Vanessa says, what is fasting and how must we do it? Fasting is exactly what we just seen in verse, what verse was that we just read? Neither did, uh, verse 9. Verse 9. That's fasting. Fasting, and I know a lot of people will say, well, you can fast by just eating, or excuse me, you can fast by not eating, but you can still drink some fluids, though. You can still drink. That ain't what we see in Scripture. People come up with the Daniel fast, and that's a whole nother story. We'd have to go to uh, go there and get that, but that, that's a whole nother story. Fasting is when you choose to not eat or drink, all within hopes of getting closer to God. Praise the Lord, Sister Bobby. Amen. Fasting is not eating or drinking. What you decide to do. Is focus on God. You say, I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to try to get closer to Him. That's what fasting is. So it's a time set apart to do that. It's not, it's not, uh, <laughs> a lot of times people, people try to get smart. They say, well, I was so busy today, I fasted at work. I didn't eat. And they didn't even plan to. They just so happened, they were so busy, they just forgot to eat. And then they turn around and try to say they fast. No, you didn't fast. A fast is something you plan to do. You can't just you can't just go the whole day or uh, till three o'clock and say I didn't eat. I, yeah, I fasted yesterday. I didn't eat till three o'clock. No, you you didn't plan to do that. It just happened. A fast is something you plan to do. Like I said uh, earlier, if we go to Luke, uh, the third chapter. Uh, actually, I think it's the fourth chapter. It'll tell us Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't eat food or water or drink water. But now, I'm not saying he fast for 40 days and 40 nights because we're not going to be able to do that anyways. But there are times that we can fast. You can say, well, I wake up at 7 o'clock. I'm not going to eat until 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. We can do that. Those are things we can do. And it's going to be a struggle, a battle. Yes. It's going to be a battle. But it's supposed to be. Because by you fasting, you get control over yourself. That's, you get control over yourself. Remember that question you asked earlier, Vanessa? How do we get control of our thoughts? Fasting. You fast. You pray. But make sure you have the Holy Ghost and you've been baptized. Yeah. But you can still fast. Even if you don't have those things, you can still fast. But still, you need to be working towards those if we if anybody doesn't have. But fasting is so crucial. Because right now, our body, food and water is some of the most uh, natural things we need to survive. So you can say to your body, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you need. And Vanessa says, so there is a time frame. It's not a set thing. You can say, well, I, I wake up at 8. It's depending on your schedule. You may have to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. You can say, well, I'm going to fast from the time I wake up till 
12 o'clock. I mean, you, you, you decide that. But, or you could say, well, uh, I don't have anything to do Saturday. I'm going to try to fast the entire day, the entire night. I'm going to try to do it. But you may get too weak and say, man, I just can't make it no more. That's okay. But, so it's not a set time. It's not a, uh, well, God said you have to fast between 3 and 3. No, it's not a set thing. It's just you just trying to get closer to God. That's all it is. But we see it happen. So many people have done it throughout time. When I first got called into ministry, that was the first thing, one of the first things God told me to do. He told me to fast. I had never done it in my life, I don't believe. I don't think I ever fasted. But he told me to do it. And I didn't realize at the time why. But later, I was like, man, that really did wonders for me. It really helped me and elevated me to a new level. And you say you didn't understand why at first. Didn't understand But you still it. did it. Didn't understand it. But I, I, I realized, man, well, if God told me, because I know Tony didn't tell himself to fast. That's the mindset that we have to have. We're not going to understand everything at first. But if we take heed and be obedient to God's word, it will become clear. When I was, uh, when I did, I was like, man, I know Tony didn't tell himself to fast. I know I didn't tell myself to do that. How long? <laughs> he told me to do it for 40 days. Um, and it wasn't 40 days and 40 nights that Jesus did, like Jesus did. So don't, don't misunderstand me. I did it for 40 days. So what I would do, I was waking up around uh, 5.30 every morning. This was when I was working for the football team at Ole Miss. Uh, we had practice every day at 6 a.m. Uh, where they would work out. And so I would fast from about 5.30 till sometimes 12, sometimes 1, sometimes 2, sometimes 3. I'd pick a time. I'd, I'd just try to go as far as I could. Because uh, like I said, I was still going through my throughout my daily life. But the thing is, you aren't supposed to tell anybody. He said, anoint yourself, but don't tell anybody. You're not supposed to say, hey, hey, I'm fasting today, everybody. Look at me. He said, don't do that. Do not fix your face to appear to be hungry. <laughs> he said, don't do that. So when you fast, keep it a secret. Uh, but I think somebody had a question. <laughs> okay, I said I fasted this week from Monday 7 a.m. and it's over Friday 4 p.m. It was hard. But by Tuesday night, it was easy. And Saturday, I'm treating myself. <laughs> and Robert says God bless you guys I have to call it a night but keep doing the work of the Lord by sharing and teaching his word as always Robert there's no end us. in sight thank you for watching and good thing is you can catch the rest of this video whenever we get done it gets uploaded I'm sure you know as a regular video on Facebook so you can just pick it pick it back up where you left it off so thank you for joining us Robert we yes. hope to see you some more definitely thank you definitely looking for your input uh, and Kiana Kiana says she fasted from Monday 7 a.m. until Friday 4 p.m. Man, that, you didn't that, eat anything from Monday through Friday, like all day and all night. Yeah, if you did that, my God, <laughs> that's a fast there. If you did, if you didn't eat anything uh, from Monday or drink anything from Monday to Friday, um, that, that's a fast there. But praise God. 
Praise God. That's good. And Saturday, you decide to treat yourself <laughs> to something good, I guess. <laughs> but um, let's go ahead and finish up where we were at in Acts uh, ninth chapter. Right, Unless somebody on. says anything. All right. We're on verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Now, this is us. God tells us to do something. And we start looking at the situation and say, hold on, God. I mean, you telling me to do this? Man, it's going to get me in trouble. Okay. Keanu said something. Uh, Keanu said, just drink water. Propel water and Gatorade so I wouldn't pass out. I got you. Okay, okay. I, I, I see now. Because I was about to say, if you went without food or water um, <laughs> for a whole week, that, that would have been rough. Vanessa says, thank you, thank you. No problem. Uh, verse 14. So, uh, but what I was going to say was Ananias, after God told him what to do, he started looking at the situation and saying, hold on, God, I don't know if I think, I don't know if I should do that. The person you sending me to, man, I've been hearing about him. He's been having people killed left and right. But God is not going to tell you to do something. And not see you through. He's not going to give you a task and not protect you during it. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Mm -hmm. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is the chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. God tells Ananias, look, go, go down there, talk to Saul. I've chosen him to carry out my name, to carry my word. But as great as Saul became, God still used somebody else to tell him something. He still used somebody else to get him saved because Saul was not saved yet. All right. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. God sent Ananias down there so that Saul can receive his salvation. He came in. To lay hands on him so that he can receive the Holy Ghost. Let's go over to, I think I want chapter 26. I want he's retelling me. I think I want chapter 26. Or is it 19? No, it's not 19. Hold on. I don't see the verse I'm looking for in this chapter. that chapter twenty two, I'm sorry. All right, chapter twenty two. Um start at twelve. So this is going to be the same scenario. Paul is now retelling 
how it happened in chapter 22. He's going to be telling us the same thing. Alright, Acts chapter 22 and verse 12. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto mm -hmm. me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. In the same hour I looked up upon him. Mm -hmm. And he said, the, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Mm -hmm. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what hast thou seen, what thou hast seen and heard. And now verse 16. Saul is being saved. He is in the process of getting saved. Ananias is now talking to him, prayed for him. He's gotten the Holy Ghost. We've seen that in um, chapter 9. But now here, let's look at the other end of the spectrum. And now why Terry's that? Terry means to wait. He said, what you waiting for? What are you waiting for? That's the question today to a lot of people out here. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? All right. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. <laughs> he already believed in Jesus Christ. He already believed in Jesus Christ, but his sin still was not washed away. Ananias said, rise and be baptized. And what does that baptism do? Wash away your sins. He said, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You have to be baptized in the name of the Lord. That's the reason Peter in Acts 2.38, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the washing of your sins, for the remission of sins. That's what baptism is for. Don't let anybody deceive you. They say baptism don't mean anything. They say it doesn't matter if you get baptized or not. The scripture says it's for the remission of your sins, the forgiveness of your sins. That's why he wants us to get our children baptized, to wash away their sins. That's why he wants us to take them to church. That's why he wants us to read with them, to pray with them, training them up in the way that they should go. All right. And it came uh, to pass. Hmm? Oh, no, we don't, we don't have to read that. We don't have to read that. But that, that's just showing us, uh, Vanessa, Saul, and if we go and pick him up in later chapters, like I said earlier, he, he wrote majority of the New Testament. This was a man who was a murderer. That's what was in his heart. He had people killed. Vanessa asks, okay, is there an age for baptism? There is not a set age, but you shouldn't baptize a baby. You shouldn't baptize someone who they don't understand anything. They don't understand what's going on at all. You, baptism should be a child's choice. You shouldn't force baptism on anybody, just like salvation. We shouldn't force salvation on anybody because God doesn't. And I know we want to see our children saved, but again, God's not going to accept it. If 
I can get baptized. I could have gotten baptized as a baby. There's a lot of people that have gotten baptized as babies. They don't grow up even wanting anything to do with God. So it has to be a choice. Once they get old enough, you talk to them about Jesus. You say, look, Jesus died for you. He rose again. He died for your sins. And he told us that we should be baptized in his name. And if they say, well, I want to do it, then we should allow them to. And Vanessa says, okay, then I've heard right. So, yeah, it's not, um, it's not a set age, but they should be old enough so that they at least understand death. They understand Jesus came back to life. They, of course, they're not going to fully understand all of this stuff. Of course, they're not. Shoot, we got people who 20, 30, 40, 50 don't fully understand it. So it's not to say that oh, they have to comprehend everything. That's not going to happen. But great question. There's not, there's not a set age um, that a person has to be baptized at. But baptizing babies has never been in the Bible. We never see where they baptize infants. We never see they baptize a one-year-old. Two-year-old, we never see that. They were old enough to say, "I believe in Jesus Christ." They were old enough to say these things and understand what it meant. So, it's a teaching process first, for sure. But um, great questions, everyone. And thank you guys, as we continue to say, thank all of you for the comments and your input. We greatly appreciate it. Yes. But um, I don't really have anything else to cover unless anyone has any more questions. Melvin, if you had anything to say. Yeah, definitely. If anybody has any more questions, um, feel free to ask, feel free to ask. Uh, because if not, then we can wrap it up here. It's definitely been, you know, great chatting with you guys. Um, Vanessa says, "Thank you." Uh, I, thank you. I've had kids bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. We'll definitely um, wrap it up there. And um, same two questions that are asked throughout a lot of the scripture. Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues as the scripture declares it? Those two are um, very important questions as they are essential steps into, our, into our, us getting our salvation. That's what your pastor should definitely be asking you. And that's all I really have to add. We did cover a lot of things. So, you know, some people may want to watch this video again. And for all of our Facebook watchers, uh, we upload every single, um, Kiana says, thanks a million. Thank you for Thank you. being interested. Thank you. Thank but, you. But um, we, we upload audio versions of these to every major podcast directory. So Spotify, iHeartRadio, even Pandora. I think it's on Pandora. I'm not sure. Stitcher, Overcast. All, all the major ones you can probably think of will be there. You can just Google Join the Mist of the Storm will pop up as the first link, I think. 
And um, for the podcast listeners that don't know about our Facebook page, um, we are at Facebook at JMS Bible. So you can catch these live and ask questions. Um, as you see, we, we're answering questions from our viewers out there. And we greatly appreciate the interactions. And that's all I really have to say. I hope you have a blessed evening, a blessed night, a blessed Friday, and a blessed weekend. And we'll be back to take another deep dive into the Bible on next Thursday at the same time. So we greatly appreciate you guys for watching, and we're going to go ahead and end it there. So, again, thanks for watching. Thank you, guys. Have a blessed night.